Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the In Our Backyard podcast with your host, Jen Galler. In this episode, I talk with Jackie Farenholz, who's a rising second year master's student at Duke University. She's pursuing a dual master's degree in environmental management, focusing in ecosystem science and conservation. Jackie worked with Brettel as a GIS specialist this past summer, helping the organization get familiarized with the program, as well as identifying tools necessary for completing tasks that have already been identified. Some of the projects that the team has focused on include, but is not limited to, AirMod modeling and the Mountain Valley Pipeline Southgate extension. With Jackie, we break down what GIS is, how environmental groups can use it, what got her interested in the environmental field, and what her plans for the future are. To contact and connect with Jackie will be in the show notes below, and I hope you enjoy the episode. So hi, everyone. I'm with Jackie Farenholz, who is a rising second year master's student at Duke University, and she is pursuing a dual master's degree in environmental management. And she's also been Brettel's GIS specialist intern this summer. So just starting out, could you speak on what you got your undergraduate degree in and what you're currently getting your master's in? Yes. So I studied undergrad at McDaniel College in Western Maryland, the small liberal arts school where I focused on environmental science. So there we got to choose between three different concentrations. And so I was in earth system science and management, essentially. I also was a GIS student there and had a lot of experience with internships where we got to utilize GIS to help people across the world, like in Indonesia, for example. And I came straight into my master's at Duke. So here I'm a dual master's in environmental management student and master of forestry student. Um, and so far, we've been focusing on just a bunch of various things, such as I've done a project with mangroves, which are trees of the ocean, essentially, I'm working with policy there. And in the future, just kind of working with landowners here locally in North Carolina to understand how we would essentially evaluate their land for now and in the future to give them a cost, basically, of how much it would be to manage their land and then what they would be able to get out of it. So those are just kind of some hard and soft skills that I'll gain here. Awesome. Yeah. And what got you interested in the environment and getting your both your degrees in it? So I grew up in New Jersey, about 25 miles outside of New York City, and there wasn't a whole lot of green space. But the property that I live next to fortunately has a lot of green space. And so I always found myself fumbling around in the woods and picking up salamanders and toads and just, I don't know, super connected with the environment. And so I have always kind of had a passion for nature and everybody's, you know, save the trees was a big movement when I was little, save the rainforests. And I just wanted to be a part of that, but maybe even closer to home so we can help manage the problems that we have here. Yeah, definitely. And so, as we said before, you've been working with Brettel this past summer as the GIS specialist. So could you just kind of break down what GIS is and its impacts that it has? Yes. So GIS stands for Geographic Information Systems. And essentially, it's a mapping program where as a user, you can input criteria in order for the program to run analysis, whether it's on how many people live within a county or within a census block or the amount of water that's flowing through a stream or which streams are what we call primary and secondary streams. We focused more so on getting the company started with GIS since Brettel hadn't had a lot of experience with it prior to this summer. So we mapped out the nature sanctuary boundaries that the company has. And we looked at, we did actually use census data for the MVP Southgate extension project. 
where we took population data and mapped it out so that you could see how many people were being affected by the pipeline within the state of North Carolina. And then we just essentially looked at the tutorials that Esri, which is the company that created GIS, has for users, um, most of them which are free. So you can just go in and look at their tutorials. And we identified ones that we thought would be good for the company in the future since the projects kind of seem to all follow along the same path. Yeah, that's great. So with mapping out the Mountain Valley pipeline, you just saw how many people it would impact and the significance of that. Yeah, so we just, that was like a baseline. I guess the the project that we were working on didn't really have a pathway, but the objective was to identify people that were of, like had higher vulnerability. So it was people of color, elderly people, people with health problems. And we never quite identified which group we we're interested in, but population is always a good way to go about it just to see how many people are living there. Okay, nice. Yeah. And then could you explain the difference between like spartial and non-spartial data? Yeah. So when you create maps, um, it's super important to understand the relationship between those two types of data. So spatial data is like the, the features themselves. So if you have a building, you know, where the building is in the map, if you have a road where the road is on the map, a stream, a mountain, anything like that. The non-spatial data would be the information about that feature. So for a building, is it a school? Is it a library? For a road, is it a, a highway or is it a, um, a country road? Streams, again, like, is it a major river? Is it just a, a tributary? So it's important that in order for your map to have meaning, you need to have the spatial data interact with the non-spatial data so that it creates a cohesive story. Yeah, that's interesting. And how else can we use GIS to benefit environmental work, not just with Brettle, but like anywhere? So GIS is kind of endless and it's kind of crazy with all the stuff that people come up with. Conservation, we use it for land connectivity. So if we have a population of animals that are separated from another population, we look to see what we call choke points to be. So that's areas in the landscape that if habitat was lost, there would be the, the animal population in one area would not be able to interact with the population in another. We can look at stream management and flooding through that way. So how, if there was a major storm, where the water would be running based on elevation. I mean, it's endless, but you can use it in the ocean as well. That's how they map some shipping routes and um, look at where the migratory animals are. So if there's a conflict between them, if we can solve that. It's just kind of the the world is your oyster when you use GIS. If you have a question, you just need to kind of be able to translate it into the program terms in order to be able to solve an answer, solve for an answer. And then kind of just like going into the GIS, like what makes a map? How can you make a map on that software? So depending on what you're doing, you, you essentially GIS in any sense is a bunch of layers and each layer is a cohesive set of attributes. So a layer could be a layer of roads. And so that layer contains all the information that has all of the roads in the area that you're interested in. Another layer could be streams, so the hydrology of the area. And streams would also, since it's hydrology, it would also include lakes and any other bodies of water that you're interested in. For baseline data, you have elevation. And from that, you can create a lot of things like there's layers called DEMs, digital elevation models. And from that, you can create stream flow if you don't actually have a stream layer. But basically, you want to start from not the most simple, but the basic layer. So elevation would be in this example. And you kind of move through everything else that would get you there. But you want to make sure that when you have all these layers overlaid with one another, that you're not putting too much information on your map because you don't want the story to get bogged down. You have to kind of think about your audience and 
who you're trying to tailor the information to, because if you just throw it all in there, it'll get lost and somebody won't understand what you're trying to convey. And I guess how can Brettle use GIS in the future to extend our work and just progress it forward? I think the census data will be super useful to you guys, especially with the new one coming out. I think it's in September. Census data can be attached to like spatial data. So for example, county data can be attached to census data. So you have the, the actual shape of the county of the state you're interested in. And if you can pull the data, which we weren't able to do this summer, for race, it's the same ideas for population. If you're interested in a certain group of individuals or for like example, elderly people, I think that those are good proctors of how you can help in these areas. You know, it's if you can visually show that this is impacting this amount of people for like with the air modeling stuff that you guys look into, I think it's more moving than just to say it. Because if you show like, oh, it's like, oh, well, I live here, you know, how is this going to impact me? It kind of gets more people on board. Okay, yeah. That makes sense. And I think it's going to be really significant and impactful for our work going forward, just knowing how to use this and get the data from it. And so with you graduating from your master's program soon, what are your plans after graduation and what do you hope to get into environmentally? Well, I've always been interested in conservation in general, whether that means somewhere in the States or working with an international partner. I'd like to utilize GIS in my work. I think that it's a super great tool for everything that's up and coming these days. And like I said, the visualization part is, you know, it's priceless essentially. I'm not quite sure what company or field or sector yet, but I graduate in the fall of 22. So I have a little bit of time. And yeah, if you could talk about the work you did with the nature sanctuary. Brettle has yeah. a 58-acre nature sanctuary in North Carolina near Asheville. So yeah, if you want to talk about that as well. Yeah, so from my understanding, the nature sanctuary, when we mapped it, we just put the property boundary around. So essentially where the, the property is and you know what Brettle can manage. However, I know that there are some trails that they're instewing in there and they're creating them. And so they're trying to make it a a positive space and a green space for people to utilize within the community and farther out, I believe it's in Madison County. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. That'll be a good citizen science project. I know if there were some talk about using it for carbon, like uh, carbon offsets mm-hmm. and yeah, uh, banking. Yeah, but you'll be able to utilize GIS to map those trails so that people can pull it up on their phones and use apps if they want to to see where they are geographically so that in case they're lost or anything like that. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited for that and future plans we have for that and what we can do with that. So yeah, that's great that you had a part in that and helped out. So I guess just my last question is how can people contact or connect with you if they want to do so? I can give you my email if people want to reach out to that. I also have a LinkedIn page. Yeah. Just kind of, you know, the usual ways I'm pretty available by email and LinkedIn. I check it pretty regularly. So be happy to answer any questions. Thank you so much to Jackie for speaking with me. If you want to contact her or learn more about GIS, I'll link her contact information in the show notes below. And tune in next week for a new episode. Thanks, everyone.